Happy Families podcast. It's the podcast for the time poor parent who just wants answers now. Girls will learn to be the label they're given and indeed girls describe their role in a friendship group in terms of the label they were given. And now here's the stars of our show, my mum and dad. Hello, I'm Dr. Justin Coulson here with my wife Kylie. We're the parents of six daughters. I'm the author of six books about raising happy families and the founder of happyfamilies.com.au. Kylie, really excited having a conversation today with an author who has really done some uh, some amazing work in helping parents to understand their daughters better. We're talking with Madonna King today and her latest book is called Tenager. I think this is the best title of any book ever. Like when I saw Tenager, I thought I, I loved it. Was it? It was a misspell. I loved There's being no... fourteen. I, <laughs> I loved fathers and daughters because they just say what the book is about. But Tenager. I think we have one of those in our house. We Madonna. do. So, so, so our our fifth baby girl is a Tenager right now, Madonna. We feel like we've been reading a book all about our little girl. Oh, that's wonderful, I think. I think. <laughs> Mostly. I'm seeing a lot of her in the pages, but, but something that stood out to me as I've read your book is that there's, there's so much, um, there's such a range of, uh, such, such a diverse way of being 10. Like no, no teenager is the same as any other teenager in so, in, in so many words. Yeah, more than any other age I can think of, Justin, you know, and, and that's been made worse by the fact that several school principals said to me that there's almost a generation between an 18-year-old girl now and a 10-year-old girl. But some 10-year-olds describe their Build-A-Bear to me. Many of them believe in Santa Claus. Others have a big sister who might be bisexual. Or that one asked me, are you going to write a chapter on how you know when you like a boy and how do you know when they like you back? I still haven't worked that out. But I think they're sitting around the same lunch table and that makes it really tough for parents because of the different stages of development at that age of 10. Madonna, can you tell us a little bit about this book and what you found? Yeah, like who who did you talk to and and where did all this info come from? So at the heart of it is 510-year-old girls because my aim is to get inside their minds so that they can tell us how we might help them. And then once I'd done that, uh, I consulted 1,600 mums, 400 dads, 100 year five and six school teachers, and then dozens of school principals and school counsellors and psychologists and the like. And my goal was to talk to the girls about the issues they saw of significance that perhaps they don't tell us about and then to seek advice from experts on that. Unsurprisingly, the uh, w- one of the biggest issues that 10-year-old girls are experiencing, regardless of whether they're well and truly into puberty or whether it hasn't even begun yet in any obvious ways, obviously it, it starts very, very young internally, even though it's not always uh, outwardly obvious. But one thing that seems to affect every single 10-year-old girl is the quality of her friendships. Friends are the biggest source of joy and the biggest source of concern for a 10-year-old. Would, would that be a fair assumption? Absolutely. And that drive to fit in, to find my group, I think are changing girls. It's keeping them awake at night. It's dictating how they think, how they dress, the opinions they have. And I think this is one of the really sad things because, Carly, you know, as, as a girl, female support is something for our generation has been so wonderful. You know, it's your heart breaks when your best friend's heart breaks. But our girls are seeing friendship a bit like... 
a hot chocolate, something that's really fast and really delicious. And we know it's not. You know, one school principal said to me, Tony Reardon from St. Aidan's here in Brisbane said to me that she didn't have a really good friend until she first started at university. And we know in a good friendship, sometimes we have to forgive the misdemeanor when it's smaller than the friendship. And I think our girls have no idea how to actually build a friendship and cultivate it and and to use forgiveness as part of that toolkit. I'm wondering, Madonna, if you can share with us what are some things that we can help our 10-year-olds do so that they can actually start to develop those positive relationships, recognising, like you said, this take time. Um, and and sometimes we kind of just want to fall into place with our bestie, you know, on day one, and it doesn't usually happen like that. So what's something that we can do as parents to kind of help support our teenagers in doing yeah. this? I think that the smartphone has made this so much harder because even in brief lockdowns, schools are reporting girls have lost socialisation skills. So one school said to me that in year five and six, they had to sit girls across a table and teach them again to look at the girl they were talking to. I think friendship used to come fairly naturally because we didn't have that. We didn't have this marketing wallpaper of noise that these girls are are faced with. And we have to fill their toolkit with the ability to be able to do two things. One is to be able to to decide on their boundaries in friendship. Will I accept this or will I not? Will I play this role or will I not? Will I change how much of me to fit in and what won't I do? And once our girls are clear on those boundaries, we have to then give them the the ability or the, the, the words to articulate that so that they can go and do that when they have to. And that doesn't come naturally. You know, as one person said to me, they have to practice that. We have to role model it so that we can say, look, if this happens, how would you handle it? What words would you use? Would you accept that behavior? Let's just go through how that might work. And it seems so little and it seems almost silly that we have to do that. But my experience is that this issue of friendship is tearing our girls apart. It's making them, giving them an inability to sleep at night. It's the first thing they wake up. And many of them aren't concentrating on their schoolwork because they're worried about what is going to happen at lunchtime. It, it, it feels like this could be really good advice for adults as well. I know plenty of adult women who will say exactly the same thing. It starts young and maybe even at some adult men. Well, that's probably true. And one other thing that I think that we can do as adults is is not label our children. I, I mm. had parents say all sorts of things to me like, you know, mine's the peacemaker. I have a messenger. I have a queen bee. I don't know why, but I think mine might be a mean girl. And every expert I spoke to said to me that that girls will learn to be the label they're given. And indeed, girls describe their role in a friendship group in terms of the label they were given. So, so let's not do that either. And it's easy to say, we've got to actually think about it so that we don't do it. One of the other things that really stood out to us as, as we worked our way through the book was this um, idea around bullying. We, it, it just blows my mind that our children are having to navigate um, this space and no longer is it face-to-face, um, Madonna. We're, we're also dealing with you know online bullying and they can't actually ever get away from it. 
So what are some things um, that you discovered through your research in relation to bullying and these little 10-year-olds? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure there is any need for a 10-year-old to have a smartphone other than for medical issues or communication issues that are out of the norm. But of the 1,600 mums I surveyed, 50% of them said they'd given their child a smartphone. And particularly in Victoria, that was as a result of lockdown so she could stay in communication. I think we need to delay introduction as long as we can. And if we have introduced it, we need to set boundaries. And and you guys know this, but this idea of deciding when it can be used, who they can be in contact, that the privacy settings are at at the top, the number of followers. We know there is software that allows you to turn it on and off, that it's available at this time and not that time. Let's use that to the best of our ability so that we teach our children how to use social media responsibly rather than, you know, hand them the keys of a car and say, take it for a run. Madonna, so much in this conversation around friends, bullying and getting relationships right. I wish we could explore that for the, for the rest of the conversation. But in your book, there were a couple of other surprises and I want to talk about those next. It's the Happy Families Podcast. Imagine a home where discipline got results without anyone having to feel bad or in trouble. The Do's and Don'ts of Discipline is a webinar to help parents set limits with love, compassion and humanity. Find it now at happyfamilies.com.au slash shop. It's the Happy Families Podcast, the podcast for the time-poor parent who just wants answers now. And today we are talking with Madonna King about her latest book, Tenager. Something that I loved reading this book. And so, so I, I can't be objective about a parenting book, Madonna. And I, and I, I say that with the greatest of respect. But, but obviously, when I'm reading a book about parenting, I've kind of read all the research and I know what's going to come up in the next chapter. And it's very hard for me to read it through the eyes of a parent who doesn't have a PhD in psychology because that's who I am and what I do. But what I loved about the book is, number one, you've got so many voices and so many so many ways of integrating a tremendous amount of information. But there was a, a specific chapter that really stood out to me, and, and maybe it's just me and one of my peculiarities, but this chapter was about girls and their participation in physical activity. You'd just been talking about body image and how that's increasingly a a significant concern for our children from as young as five or six, let alone 10 ages. And then you launch into this chapter about girls and their participation in physical activity, not not necessarily organized sport, but just their activity levels generally. Would you, would you share what you found there? Because it it just, it really, uh, it impacted me tremendously. So there's a couple of things. On one end, the girls explained to me that often they stop particularly dancing and swimming around this age. Teachers report that they double tog for swimming. I remember Jen, one little girl, said to me, oh, dancing was something I did when I was young, like nine. She's now 10. <laughs> but they, they all of a sudden have to wear tight clothes and leotards and all of a sudden they're, they're, they're embarrassed about it. And many of them stopped because it became competitive too, that But there was interesting research that looked at a 10-year-old 16 years ago and a 10-year-old now. And This is what got me. This is the bit that I thought was amazing. Sorry to interrupt, but I just... And sad. And sad. Yeah, big exclamation mark about what you're about to say. 
Yeah, so it was done in the UK, but but the bigger differences are shown between girls and boys in Australia in the same age cohort. So this Dr. Gavin Sandercock uh, surveyed all these children at the same school year on year on year on year. And what he's found over 16 years is a massive change in a girl's fitness level. For example, a pinch test, which requires absolutely no skill, just pinching something, girls are 15% weaker than they were 16 years ago. In timed activity like a sit-up, they are 45% slower. But what really got me in the guts is they asked them to hang from monkey bars and swing, essentially. And 16 years ago, everyone tried that activity. This time, 30% said no. And when he asked why, they said they couldn't. Now, Justin, that is an indication of that infrastructure disappearing from our public parks and our school grounds. And as a result of that, our girls, I think, are really suffering. And I say girls because while that survey showed no real difference between boys and girls, surveys by ANU and Canberra University have shown quite a significant difference between boys and girls at this age, with girls taking 2,000 steps less, having poorer respiratory health, being less involved in sport from around this age. And it's not part of our debate in this area. And given your lead-in on body image, it really needs to be. We need to talk to girls about how their body works, not what it looks like. And, And I found that just heartbreaking at the age of 10 girls are worried about wearing togs or you know or dance costumes and the reasons behind that worry should cause alarm amongst all of us. Madonna we have recently in the last few months and we've mentioned it on the podcast a couple of times our, our 10 ager has started running with me in the mornings I've kind of given up my bike riding as much as I live for my time on my bike because my teenager wants to be active and physical with her dad. And that means no more bike riding, but we go for a run a few mornings a week so that she can get that physical activity in and, and move her body. And, and reading that chapter just, I think it really underscored the importance of it. So much so that we've started running past the park and hanging off the monkey bars just <laughs> just to see if we can go a little bit further and a little bit longer. Uh, yeah, and, and good on you because, as you know, but I think a lot of dads don't, the power of a dad is just so important. And, and we found it was a silver lining in COVID and lockdown that so many girls spent more time with dad, and I hope that continues into the future. Madonna, I have five rapid-fire questions for you. Um, that I'd love to just tap into some of um, the little nuances that you discovered as you um, researched this book. This sounds a bit like an exam, Carly. (laughs) Well, I am glad that you're in the hot seat and not me. I've got the questions in front of me, but I'm sure that we're going to be delighted by some of the answers. So number one, what was the most delightful thing you heard from a 10-year-old? how they describe themselves before that self-confidence falters. They describe themselves as sweet and kind. My favourite was a girl who said, Madonna, I am a friendship magnet. And I think, you know, that was the most delightful thing. The challenge is keeping that self-confidence beyond 10. Yeah. What concerned you the most? 
I think the ceiling our girls put on their potential. Too many nine and 10 year olds said to me, I'm not a math scholar, I'm not a science girl. When neuroscientists say at 10, how do they know what type of girl they're going to be? And I think they take on the messages of around uh, of those around them and they're feeling pressure from parents, from teachers, but mainly themselves. They see in their little group that their marks are lower than the others and they make that decision then that they're not going to excel, particularly at areas that like maths and science. And in talking to principals of co-ed schools, it's not something that boys do. Boys see it as a mark on the page. They don't take marks personally, where girls think this is a reflection on me and that develops a negative mindset. And I just, I find that heartbreaking. Me too. That makes me sad. Number three, what gives you the most hope for these 10-year-olds? Um, that they are so much more articulate than I could ever be at this age. That social media, for all its drawbacks, has certainly helped educate and provide an equality of education amongst them. And I think if we can just get them to use that voice and to run their own race, they will be the most fab generation of adults we could imagine. Number four, if there was one thing you want parents to know about their 10-year-old based on your research, what would it be? I asked the 500 girls, what do they want from mum and what do they want from dad? And it boils down to time with them and their touch, the hug, the, the, the arm around the shoulders, the comfort, the being there. And, you know, the funny thing, Kylie, is those two things cost nothing, time and touch. And from every expert I spoke to, they're the two things that not only will change the trajectory of our girls tomorrow, but also into the future. You've got Kylie crying. Madonna. <laughs> She's sitting there literally I don't want to do that. getting ulterior. What I love about that answer, Madonna, is just this acknowledgement. We, we, you know, we watch our children as they start to kind of grow up and all of a sudden they get to this point where they're, they're too big for that hug and that touch. And yet you've just kind of opened up this beautiful space where you're acknowledging that as a 10-year-old, that's what they still want. And I just love that. Even when I wrote my book about teenage girls, they still want it even when they're 16 and 18. They still love it, especially from dads who actually back away. They, but they, the thing is they don't often ask. That's right. So as parents, we've got to actually take the lead there, you know, yeah, and, and, and anyone can do it. You know, time does not does not cost us when it's our child. Number five, lucky last question. What's next? You've written about being 14. You've written about fathers and daughters and now 10 ages. But what's next on your agenda? <laughs> well, I, oh, my daughters would say to stop writing parenting books. I'm in that with you <laughs> as well. I don't know. My God, I'm a journalist and, and my goal is never to be to pretend I'm a psychologist or an educator. I have a passion for journalism and that ability to get inside a 10-year-old's mind and for her to be able to explain something that she might find hard to explain to her parents and to put that in a book is something that, you know, I'm just really proud of. And my goal is that it hopes our girls and their parents. Madonna, it's just been such a delight to talk with you. Thank you so much for your time. 
pleasure. Madonna King is the author of the brand new book, Ager, as well as Being 14 and Fathers and Daughters, an award-winning journalist and mum to a couple of girls herself and just an all-round great person. It's, it's been wonderful to talk to you, Madonna. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed the conversation about 10 ages. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts so that more people can find out about it and make their families happier. As always, we really appreciate the work of Justin Rulong from Bridge Media for making the podcast sound great and our executive producer is Craig Bruce. If you'd like more information about making your family happier, visit happyfamilies.com.au. Thank you.